what was rolling through my heart as we were singing and worshiping was, I don't know, you remember the guy's name, the Messianic Jew, wrote Resurrection, the Hope of Glory? Yes, uh, Art Cates. Art Cates. Um, he has a chapter in the book, and it's talking about how uh, God uses obscure things. He loves to use obscure things. How many of you can tell me about uh, Elijah's life before he faced the prophets? I can't. There's nothing. Here we are in, was it First Kings 17, and this mighty, powerful man of God just shows up to confront the prophets of Baal. And uh, we don't know anything about him before. And uh, he comes out of nowhere. But this man had been trained by the Lord, as we all can see. And I just love how God will take obscure things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. And this is what this, is what this church is. It's being risen up in obscurity. It's going to take down many giants. And um, I, I see it all over. I see it all. I mean, growing up, you know, the Prim Prudhommes. Uh, isn't that his last name? You know, we, nobody. He never went to the big churches. God told him that's not where he wanted him to go. God sent him to a Thursday night Bible study revival in in a building somewhere, you know, in Woodstone. Uh, but he's always working. He's always working. And that's the thing about living for Jesus. You don't always see what he's doing. A lot of times what he's doing is obscure, even to us. But we're supposed to walk like it's always going on. And we're supposed to trust in him all the time. Be content in every situation. And it's all the things that we've y'all been talking about tonight have been what's been rolling around in me. And uh I'll just share uh, a little bit from what I preached on not too long ago about it's on perseverance and the perspective we're supposed to have. James 1. Y'all all know these Scriptures. 1, starting in verse 2. It says, um, Consider it pure joy. <laughs> this is a too powerful term. Pure joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. There's many kinds of trials that we face. There's financial trials. There's relational trials. There's trials at work. There's trials in the home. There's trials in your marriage with your kids. I mean, they're endless. And it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must, perseverance must finish its work. Perseverance must finish its work. And what develops perseverance? What develops perseverance is right above us. It's right, we just read it. Trials. What must finish its work? Perseverance. What develops perseverance? Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature 
and complete, not lacking anything. If you want to grow up in your salvation, you're going to face trials. It's a fact in the kingdom. If perseverance must finish its work, and perseverance is developed through trials, you must face trials. You must. And as Christians, uh, we should ex- so as Christians we should expect it, and not you know not be scared of it. Embrace it. Don't run from it. Learn from it. Don't complain through it. Because the faster you learn, the faster you can move on. And this this has always encouraged me. Um, and I've shared it before, but there was a man. God put a big boulder in his path and told him to move it. He said, you move it. And the guy pushed on it with all his might. It didn't go go anywhere. He comes back the next day and pushes on that boulder. It never moves. Day after day, he pushes on this boulder and it never moves. And um, the guy starts saying, Lord... <laughs> You know, why did you tell me to move this boulder? I can't, I can't move it. The Lord just said, move the boulder. So He keeps pushing on it. He keeps pushing on it. And then one day, the Lord shows up and moves the boulder. And the guy said, why did you tell me to move it if you were going to move it all along? And the Lord said, well, look at your legs. Look at your arms. Look at your back. Look how muscular you've become, how much stronger you've become pushing on this boulder. Perseverance must finish its work. You must face trials. But through these trials, you'll become the righteousness of God. You'll become God's uh, perfect warrior. The Son of Man was made perfect through what? Suffering. Suffering and trials are synonymous. It says that Jesus offered up loud cries and tears before the Lord. And He was heard because of His reverent submission. And it goes on to say again that the Son of Man was perfected or made perfect through suffering. Suffering is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Look at, hop over to James 1.14, or 1.12. That's what I was just sharing a minute ago. Um, yeah, we're blessed in a way, not having gone through the, the eye of the hurricane. But look at James 1.12. It says, Blessed is the man who, there's this word again, who perseveres under prosperity, <laughs> under trial. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. So to even qualify as a blessed man in this verse, you have to be under trial. <laughs> I mean, to even qualify as being blessed, you got to be under trial. Because when he has stood the test, and nobody likes to go through tests, we like to, you know, study and learn and, you know, uh, have the teacher teach us and tell us things. But we don't like to learn through experience. Um, because when He has stood the test, He will receive the crown of life 
that God has promised to those who love Him. When, do you, when, when are we going to receive the crown of life? When? Like, uh, to tomorrow? When, when we go to be with Him. So, what does that mean? If we're not going to receive the crown of life until the end, then what's going to become before that? What's going to come to us before that? I mean, this test, when He has stood the test, to me speaks of when you have finished the race. The whole thing is a test. Your whole life is going to be trials. So what I'm saying is, uh, expect it. Welcome it. Learn from it. In fact, uh, do what the Word said and says and consider it pure joy. The next time you're in debt, don't lose hope, but consider it pure joy that you've been counted worthy to suffer and to grow stronger and to develop perseverance. The next time you have a struggle with a friend, you know, don't be afraid to persevere in love and go to them and humble yourself and show this love. Love always perseveres, the Bible says. There's that word again, persevere. And uh, I got some... These synonyms help me understand more about perseverance and what it is. I'm going to read you some uh, synonyms for perseverance. Doggedness. There ain't nothing timid about that. The timid don't advance the kingdom. The aggressive, the forceful, the tenacious. Tenacity or tenaciousness is a synonym for perseverance. If you're going to persevere, you better be ready to fight. Backbone. The cowards aren't going to inherit the kingdom. So the next time the Lord moves on you to speak, do it. Don't explain it away. Don't justify why you shouldn't. Just do it. Constancy. Constancy. How about that one? Do it every day. Persevere every day. Persevere in every situation. The next time you and your spouse argue, don't seek to be right. Seek to be righteous. Persevere in humility. Persevere in love. Uh, We hear it all the time. We don't have a right to be right. We have a right to be righteous. Um... But do we do that? Is that the way we deal with each other? Uh, continuance. Uh, dedication. Diligence. Drive. Endurance. Grit. Guts. These are all synonyms for perseverance. Immovability. Sometimes to persevere, all we have to do is not be moved. You know, to persevere sometimes just means, doesn't necessarily mean go forward. It means just stand your ground. Uh, spunk. <laughs> yeah, it's in the dictionary. Um, it's one of my favorites. Indefatigability. <laughs> Indefatigability. Yeah, not able to be fatigued. And we all get... 
<laughs> we all get tired. And that's normal. But don't get tired to the point of quitting. We're all afraid at times. But don't be afraid to the point of disobeying. Do it afraid. As we've heard Joyce Meyer say, it's okay to be afraid. Just do it afraid. Um, God told Joshua to fear not. Meaning, he knew that there was going to be a, a you know, a fear, fearful, like a, an afraidness when they see these giants that have to fight. There's a natural tendency to, to be intimidated or afraid. But don't let that fear cause you to turn and run. Um, the fear of the Lord needs to be greater than the fear of man. So that when it comes down to it, you obey and not disobey. Stamina. Steadfastness. And last but not least, stick to itiveness. <laughs> All these things uh, is what the walk's about. Uh, we've been called to persevere. We've been called to run the race and not get up, give up. I have in my Bible, and it encourages me a lot. Never, 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 never give up. Never give up. If all you do is get up out of bed, you know, if that's all you can do, then get up out of bed and just take the next step. Um, y'all know about George Mueller? Mueller? Tell us, brother. Tell us. The man, all his, he, he, he wrote a book, an autobiography of George Mueller. And he had an orphanage. And from before the time he had the orphanage, uh, he struggled financially. Even after he had the orphanage, he struggled financially. It's not like... And he was walking in obedience to the Lord. You can't always equate obedience, you know, with success in the world's eyes. Because success in the kingdom is not the same thing as success in the world. Having a successful church has nothing to do with numbers. It has everything to do with obedience. All you all you're required to do is what the Lord tells you to do. I was uh and I've told this before, I was in a Bible study and that I felt like the Lord wanted me to have in California when I was in the Air Force. And so I opened up my apartment, I mean my little townhouse, told people about it. And uh we were worshiping and there was like one or two people maybe. And I it was I was kinda letting it discourage me. And the Lord spoke to me and said, all, all you're required to do is obey me. I'll take care of the people. And um, that's what we'll give an account for. Not whether somebody else walked the walk, but what did we do? Did we obey the Lord? Did we impart what He, he told us to impart? Um, let me see here. Um, I like this one. I'll share this and we'll move on to something else. I'll just read it to me. You don't have to flip there. But Proverbs 24, 15, and 16 says, Do not lie in wait like an outlaw against the righteous man's home or house. Do not raid his dwelling place. For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again but the wicked are brought down by calamity. Is that not what we've been talking about? 
Isn't that what you just read? For though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. I fall down all the time, but I am not going to stay down. I refuse to quit. I refuse to give up. I'm going to run this race with everything in me. I'm going to blow it. I'm going to blow it in the future. I've blown it in the past, but I'm not going to stay down. I'm going to rise again. Even this body is going to fall victim to death, but it's not going to stay down. Even in death, we rise again. Seven times speaks to me, you you fall totally, which is death. But the hope of glory is the resurrection. And um, that's what it's about. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Here's that word again. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Let's not be those Christians that complain through trials and suffering. Let's be, the, let's be those kind of Christians that rejoice and consider it pure joy. Let's be the kind of Christians that when we come up to the Red Sea, we give praise to God because we know He's about to part it. And then when we go through, we give praise to God because He's provided a way where there was no way. And then when we get to the other side, we give praise to God because He's delivered us from all our troubles. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. If you believe that, you can be content in every situation. If you don't believe it, your joy will go up and down like a roller coaster. And you'll be no different than the world. Because the world can only find hope in what they see. The world can only trust in what they can do. But we have a hope that is unseen. We have a God that is much greater than all of us and then greater than anything we could ever face. So that hope should bring peace and contentment no matter what our circumstances say. Because circumstances are going to change every day. But our God never changes. And He promises, He promises that you will face trial and that you will have trouble. As part of your training, you must have these. But He also promises that He will deliver you from them all. So, let's look at um, Psalm 112. Yes, what the Lord has been dealing with me about. And, uh, you know, I pray all the time that God would develop in me an unshakable faith. And I really, really didn't know what I was praying when I prayed it. Uh, But I wanted it. Um, little did I know what that would require. <laughs> yeah, there is. And um, what is that proverb? Or it says the Lord's going to grab the earth and shake it, and the wicked will be shaken out, but the righteous can't be shaken out because we're firmly rooted and grounded in the King who's not moved. Uh, Psalm one twelve. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Uh, this, To me, this is like the Proverbs 31 woman, except it's for the man. I call it the Psalm 112 man. Yeah. This is what I want to be. This is what I want to be. Uh, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in His commands. His children will be mighty in the land. 
the generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. Even in a hurricane, light dawns for the upright. Even in a hurricane, uh, I was thinking, I was mowing the grass yesterday, and I uh, shared the praise with Eric and Matt. The world's tragedy is the Christian's testimony. Our troubles are an opportunity for God to receive glory. You don't have a testimony unless you go through a test. Um, when, does the, when do the righteous shine? What is, what is the biggest distinction between the church and the world? How we go through suffering. That's one of the biggest distinctions. Our love for our neighbor, how we endure suffering. Because we all face trials. If the Christians never suffered, they would never see the mighty power of God's hand. But we, we suffer. Why do you think the phrase was developed, the church is an anvil that's worn out many hammers? Because of prosperity? No. Because they were hitting the teeth over and over again. And they continued to get up again. The more force Satan drove against the church, the bigger they got. And uh, that fires me up. It fires me up. Um, Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. For the gracious and compassionate and righteous man. Who, uh, what does it say about Abraham? Why was he considered righteous? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Um, Believe is a verb, isn't it? Uh, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. How about that? We're going to have an opportunity to be generous here with the refugees and those who are in need. And um, who conducts it, let's see, Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. But it says about the wicked that he seeks to remove the memory of them from the earth. Verse 7, He will have no... This is what I love. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I don't know if any of y'all have ever gotten them, but we've gotten those things in the mail from the bank saying you've overdrawn your account. And I, <laughs> and my heart would sink. It's just a bad feeling. And um, but during that time, the Lord was dealing with me about this. He will have no fear of bad news, because that means your heart. That means your heart is dependent on what you hear and what you see. But God's called us to be dependent on what He says and what He sees. And if your heart does not fear bad news, it means you trust in an awesome God. And I want to be the type of man who... Because Satan's famous for sending bad reports that most of the time aren't even true. But a, a a single bad report can destroy the vision of God. Because it was sent to a man who put his trust in it. 
but I want to be a man who fears no report of bad news. Um, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Steadfast. That's a synonym for perseverance. His heart is secure. This is one of the things I want to talk about. Boy, this, this is cool. It's working out good. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. What do the wicked put their security in? Their possessions. What do the righteous put their security in? The Lord. In the end, He will look in triumph on His foes. He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. The wicked man will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked will come to nothing. Now flip over to verse 4. I mean, I'm sorry. Psalm 4. But remember this. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. Fear and faith are enemies. They're polar opposites. Uh, you can't be full of fear and full of faith at the same time. If you're full of faith, you're going to be full of peace. If you're full of fear, you're going to be full of worry and anxiety. Um, let's see. Chapter 4. I'm going to... Y'all might want to just listen because I'm going to read chapter 4 out of uh, the Jewish Bible. Um it says, O oh God, my vindicator, answer me when I call. When I was distressed, you set me free. Now have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Who can give me um, some good scriptures about prayer? Any of y'all know off the top of your head? Any, any scripture about prayer? Yeah. Or is powerful and effective? Yeah. Persistent widow. Um, yep. Yeah, y'all know about the persistent widow, huh? Or the persistent woman? Uh, what else? Anything else come to mind? <laughs> uh, the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. Uh, you ever feel like your prayers aren't being heard, or they're they're hitting the ceiling? <laughs> uh, the thing, the, what I'm, what I'm talking about, is um, we have much power in prayer, and the enemy combats us a lot in prayer. Um, when I was reading the scripture, I wanted to take some time just to talk about prayer a little bit, and about walking with the Lord. And you know, when you're young in the Lord, you know, and I still struggle with it. But you get used to, to walking by your feelings and to being led by your feelings. And um, if you feel like praying, then you pray. If you don't, then you don't. You know, if you feel like worshiping. Or, and that's a bad habit to develop. Um, a lot of times in prayer, we base our um, persistence or perseverance on what we see. 
or what we feel. And um, we've been called to base it on the Word of God and what it says. So, if I've taken care of my relationships with my brothers and sisters and everything's good and, I, you know, there's nothing between me and the Lord that I need to deal with, the Scripture says the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are attentive to their prayer. Whether you feel like that or not, doesn't matter. What matters is the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are attentive to their prayer. Um, when we have these feelings, we need to know the Word well enough to combat these feelings. If you had no idea, no, if you didn't have any idea about the, what the Scripture says about prayer, but when you have these feelings, you have a tendency to give up or give in to your feelings. Um, it's the same thing when it comes to sin. When you have feelings or burning desires to sin, you need to remember that we've been crucified with Christ and we no longer live. We're no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to God. We no longer have to obey those evil desires, but we can choose righteousness. And when you have those feelings, you can choose not to obey those feelings by faith in what Jesus says. I mean, this is practical, everyday life. And uh, it's stuff that you know we struggle with. Everybody does. There's not a man on the planet who doesn't struggle with the flesh. But the thing is, we've been placed in the one who has overcome sin, who's overcome the flesh. And now, we have the ability and the option to choose not to sin, to choose not to complain, choose not to worry. doesn't mean you won't have these feelings. It's okay. I mean, we still live in a mortal body that operates this flesh. Every bit of this flesh operates off of what it off of these tangible senses. What it smells, what it sees, what it touches, what it tastes. But we've been called to walk by the Spirit, by the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, and He has nothing to do with the flesh. So, I want to encourage you in prayer to pray until you get what you're after. Don't pray when you feel like praying. Pray until you get what you're after. Pray and don't give up. Uh, your children can wear you out with persistence. In the same way, you can wear the enemy out with persistence. But don't think there's not going to be fighting against you and doing everything they can to discourage you. But to the one who prays and doesn't give up, to the one who rises again and again and again and again, they will be victorious. Uh, y'all know the story about Cho? Uh, he was at a prayer meeting. You know, when they have a prayer meeting, 100,000 people show up to pray. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, big plants begin with a seed. Uh, well, this woman, and if you don't know, Satan loves to interrupt or distract the work of God. This woman uh, has a demonic fit at the prayer meeting. And uh, everybody flees but Cho and this woman. And she's just writhing and foaming at the mouth and all this stuff. 
Y'all know the story? <laughs> well, Joe's never dealt with this before, I believe, the way he tells the story. But he has read in the Bible how the apostles cast out the demons in the name of Jesus. And um, so he just does what he read. He says, in the name of Jesus, come out! And uh, nothing happens. In the name of Jesus, come out! You know, and, the, and uh, the demon says, no, we don't have to. Talk about a discourager. Talk about a deflator. You know, you're doing what the Bible says to do. And then you hear the enemy say, no, we don't have to obey what you say. How many people would have turned around and just walked off or quit? Most. Most. That's why only a remnant is going to be saved. And I want to be a part of that remnant. And so Cho keeps saying it. In the name of Jesus, come out. And the demon says, no, we don't have to. Clock ticks eight hours later. That's serious. That's, that's faith in action. That's the one who uh, rises again. That's the man who never gives up. Eight hours later, Cho's weary and the demon's weary. He's saying, in the name of Jesus, come out. You know, he's just, it's all he can do to speak and the demon's, no, we don't have to. <laughs> it's the way he tells the story. And, uh, Lo and behold, because the man never gave up, because the man rose again, he was endued with power from on high. And this time, in the name of Jesus, come out, worked. And that demon left. Or demons. Well, he talked to the woman after the fact. And uh, this is what's powerful about the whole thing. The demons were having carrying on a council within her. And they were saying, this man's green in the faith. If we can just discourage him, he'll give up. A little longer, he'll quit. little longer. If we can just outlast him, then he'll go away. This is what they were saying within this woman. She could hear them talking, but she couldn't speak. And because uh, she, if she could have spoken, she would have encouraged him. But she couldn't speak because she was captive to this thing. And uh, and then they saw him being filled with the spirit. And the demon said, "Oh no, he's being filled with the spirit. There's no way we can stand now. Get in rank or file up. We're leaving." This is the conversation that the demon, the demons had. Yeah, there's a, there is definitely a hierarchy in Satan's kingdom as well as God's kingdom because they know how important order is. They know how important unity is. Even Satan knows it. That's why he tries to disrupt it. Um, do you understand what I'm saying about perseverance? That that story right there sums up the whole thing. Um, I had planters wart or I had warts all over my forearms. Uh, uh, humiliating kind of thing. <laughs> uh, 
it just was didn't hurt or anything. They were just all over my forearms. I forget what it's called. It's some type of uh, virus, viral thing. And um, so I began praying. I said, Jesus, you know, heal my, heal me. I curse these things at the roots. Die and go away in the name of Jesus. And you know what? They didn't go away. <laughs> and so I prayed more and more and more. And seven years later, they were still there. And I went to church in Minot, North Dakota. A little church. Uh, uh, can I remember the name of it? Something Harvest... Uh, Harvest, uh, it, anyway, it was just a small church. It had about as many people as this church. Uh, but the Lord was there. And these people love Jesus. He's got these churches everywhere, and they're His. They were birthed by Him, and they're sustained by Him. They're not birthed by somebody's intellectual planning. They're not birthed because you send out a flyer seeing who if there's enough interest in that location, they're birthed by the Spirit of God with the vision of God for a purpose. And uh, I was at a service and this guy who had been thrust into a position of leadership as the pastor because the pastor there left to go to another church, which I don't understand. This man and this woman, they were elders. They were as humble as you'll find. Love Jesus. Precious. Precious. Doing their best to be obedient to the Lord and to fill the position that needed to be filled. Not wanting it. Not feeling like they could do it. Doesn't that sound like the Lord? I know a guy named Moses who went through the same thing. <laughs> Moshe, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but he was up there and he said, I feel like the Lord wants to heal. And the Lord began to deal with me. And I was like, oh, Lord, this is nothing. You know, there's much greater need. People are sick. But I'd rather obey. Um, I could have explained it away, is what I'm saying. We can all explain things away, but I went up there and um, he prayed for me. And the next day, these were gone. And uh, the moral of the story is, don't give up. Don't give up. That's, that's what it's all about. Jesus said, you know, Jesus gave the story of the persistent woman. And at the end, He followed it up with, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Will I find faith on the earth? Well, I want Him to find it in this heart. You know? I want them to find it in the people that are around me. I want my family to have the same faith. And it begins with me. I'm the head. It all trickles downhill. We have a great responsibility as the head of our home. Because what we allow the Lord to do in us can then be replicated in our family. But if we choose to disobey, look who it affects. Sin always affects much more than just you. It affects everybody you're related to. I mean, it's like Christian, you know, it's like that uh, centrifugal Christianity 
Well, sin is centrifugal, and it it encompasses a lot more than just the center. Um, okay, I'm I'm getting close to the end. All right, men of rank, how long will you shame my honor? Love what is vain, chase after lies. The the wicked love what is vain. Understand that Adonai sets apart the godly person for himself. When I was, um, Micah and I refer to this moment a lot. It was such a big deal. And I didn't realize it at the time. But every one of us had been set apart by God to do His will. And uh, hopefully, we've all counted the cost in the beginning so that we can endure to the end. And I think all y'all have. Um, But Eric and I and Matt and I were talking. um, The cost is anything that gets in front of the will of God or anything that gets in the way of the will of God, no matter what it is. And depending on your life and your circumstances, it could be different things. Um, I've had to give up my girlfriend, you know, one of one of many things of of a couple of years. One of many girls. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> yeah, my did I say friends? <laughs> uh, this is a side note, but. <laughs> chasing a little rabbit but uh, I was dating this girl for a couple of years over two years I think and uh, she went to church uh, wasn't spirit filled you know but seemed to love the Lord and um, I had had this revolution in my life about the same time Eric and about a year after Matt had his and then I was on fire, got spirit-filled. We began to argue about doctrinal things, about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, I finally got to the point where I was like, we hadn't even prayed to see if it's God's will for us to be together. And how many of you know God will let things get pretty rough to drive you to a point where you need to be in order to hear from Him? He does it a lot. And um, we prayed. The first night, the first night I knelt down and prayed, the Lord said, you will not marry her. Those are exact words. And uh, we were going to pray for a week and then come back and counsel, you know, talk about it. Well, Wednesday of that week, oh, and I had this brilliant idea because her family was going on a vacation to Florida and they invited me to come. I had this brilliant idea that I was going to tell her on the beach in Florida. <laughs> that was brilliant. Well, God saw, God's grace abounded. And uh, Wednesday of that week, we talked on the phone. And <laughs> she's saying, oh yeah, my mom's teaching me how to cook and I just want to be a good wife and blah, blah, blah. And da, 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 da. And, I'm thinking, praise God, you know, this, this is getting easier. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah. And then she says, well, has the Lord told you anything? And, uh, and I said, yeah, actually He has. You know, He said that I would not marry you. And uh, that was rough. 
It was rough, but it got in the way of the will of God. Not to lessen her. But that's not who God had for me. And if I was going to finish this race, He knew who I needed. And it wasn't her. She needed somebody else too. I mean, I don't know, you know, there's a whole different, there's a whole lot of variables, but I knew what He was doing in me. And it brought about a lot of other trials and a lot of other testing. Obedience does not always bring success in the world's eyes. But it does bring about God's glory. So don't, when I was in Minot, up in, as a missileer, uh, we would have these tests, these written tests, that I'm sure you've heard about. And uh, so much rode on these written tests. You know, if you failed, you got taken off duty and you had to go through training and it's just humiliating type, embarrassing, which I can understand the pressure. I can understand why they put the pressure on you because it's nuclear missiles. They, you know, can't accept anything less than perfection. Um, But when there's great pressure, things are going to come to the surface. And if if Jesus didn't come into the surface, then something's wrong. God's going to press you for a couple of reasons because He wants, first of all, you to see what's down there so you can begin to deal with it. And He also wants others to see. He wants, he wants when He presses you, He wants others to see Jesus come out. But He also wants to deal with you on things that you might not have known were there. A lot of times, you know, as we grow up in our salvation, we realize, hey, I have a problem with this. I didn't realize it. But you get to that point through pressure, through testing. And uh, we have these tests and uh, the natural tendency would be to study for them and prepare. And uh, that's one of the things that our flesh finds uh, false security in, preparation. Uh, Well, I'm not saying it's bad to prepare. Don't take that wrong. (laughs) I guess it all comes back to obedience. What's the Lord doing with you at the time? But uh, He was dealing with me about trusting Him. Not trusting in my own preparation, but trusting in His deliverance. And, you know, you you take these steps of faith, you go to study and the Lord is telling you, no, just trust me. And a lot of people would say, well, if you heard from the Lord, then you'd make a hundred on the test. You see what I'm... Obedience doesn't always equal success in the world's eyes. But it brings about God's glory in the end. Uh, Because one time I took the test and failed it. One time I took an evaluation which you go into this mock capsule and you go through this this rigorous evaluation to test your knowledge. And um, uh, I tanked it. It's, it's, it was a big deal. You had to go before colonels and, and they review the whole training ride and ask you what, why. And then they asked me, well, how much did you prepare for this? You know what? They didn't even understand. You know, it wasn't like it was a witness to them. You know what I'm saying? They frowned upon it. And... uh but God cares more about your character than He does about your popularity. He cares more about your character than He does about your test score. 
God's building character in His people so that He can exalt them and them not get puffed up. He spends a lot of time in the trenches with you, preparing you and shaping you so that He can exalt you. And when He does, He's glorified and not your flesh. Because we love to be glorified, we love to be exalted, our flesh loves it. But we need to get to a place where uh, it has nothing to do with us. And we realize we're weak. He's strong. It's not about us. It's about Him. And uh, so anyway, I don't know what I was talking about. Let me finish this. Um, oh, let me get back to the original story I was going to tell. It says, the, uh, understand that Adonai sets apart the godly person for himself. I was going to get, I was going in the Air Force. I wanted to be a pilot. I was excited about it. You know, it was awesome getting to think about flying a jet. I took the um, test, you know, to get in. Did well on the test. Interviewed with a captain in the Air Force who was a pilot. Everything was just floating along great. And uh, one night at church, I was thinking it was a Wednesday night at church, we were worshiping the Lord. And, and it was one of those times where the Lord just, you just have one of those moments, and not all the time, but you know it's for real when you have it. The Lord just clearly spoke to me and said, I have called you, no man. You will do what I call you to do, not what man called you to do. And you will not fly planes. And uh, I was like, all right. Called them, said, I don't want to be a pilot anymore. And uh, wound up being a missileer in North Dakota. And not too long after that, 9 11 happened. Uh, had I been a pilot, I would have been gone, away from my family. It could have been devastating. I mean, you just never know. But God, in His wisdom, whose vision is 2020, um, looking forward. You know, we, we have hindsight this 2020. He has foresight this 2020. Um, in His wisdom, He saw where that course would take me. And there's a guy that's a part of Micah's family who can't seem to get out. He's a pilot. He's been in over 10 years. Ryan Huckabee. He can't get I mean, he, they keep him in. And so, God had a purpose for me. God set me apart for Himself. No man. Um, Adonai will hear when I call to Him. There's another one about prayer. As you can log in your memory. Adonai will hear when I call to Him. You can be angry, but do not sin. Think about this as you lie in bed and calm down. <laughs> Boy, I think Dan Ivey talks about not sinning in your anger. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Uh, offer sacrifices rightly and put your trust in Adonai. Who, who can tell me, and this is just my opinion, what's the highest form of praise? Anything come to mind? Is it singing? Is it lifting your hands? What's, what's the praise that, that is... 
That's it. Obedience is the highest form of praise. Uh, to obey is better than sacrifice. These people were performing all the right, all the seemingly right sacrifices according to the law, but their heart was wrong. And uh, our greatest attribute to the kingdom is obedience. Um, many ask, "Who can show us some good?" Adonai, lift the light of your face over us. The priestly blessing says, "Make your face shine upon us." You have filled my heart with more joy than all their grain and new wine. I will lie down and sleep in peace. That speaks of faith to me. For Adonai, this is what I'm getting at, you alone, Adonai, you alone make me live securely. Isn't that the theme? To me, that's been the theme of the night. Adonai, you alone make me live securely. Talk to a man today who didn't know how to handle life without money in his pocket and a full tank of gas. That's how he, I mean, that's a, a rule in his life to always have money in his pocket and a full tank of gas. Why? Control. He can't trust in something he can't see. He can only trust in what he, what he sees what he can do. His hope lies in himself. Our hope lies in God. Whether we have without, without money in the pocket and without, without a pen, the empty tank. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Uh, it's so easy to put your faith in these false securities. So easy to put your faith in how much money you have in the bank instead of the one who put the money there. So easy to put your faith in how much gas you have in your car instead of the one who puts the gas in your car. It's so much easier to put your faith in what you have instead of the one who's given you what you have. So, uh, let's close with this song. Yeah. Matt, we'll plug this in here in just a second. Y'all see why I love this guy? When I met him, he was nine and I was ten. Yeah. And he really quickly informed me that if I was going to learn to play tennis, <laughs> I'd learn to hit the ball over the net. <laughs> In my life, I've been fortunate to have more than one Jonathan or David. You know, those two guys loved each other, and they said it was greater than the kind of love that men had for women. And people have made all kind of weird things out of that. I know exactly what it means. Uh, these guys have been pillars in my life. And the thing that... With this old crusty coach, I guess I would leave his name out of it in our lives, that just a neat old guy, full of character. Not all godly, but full of character. And he used to say, who do you want with you in a foxhole? And never any question in my life, I want these guys with me in a foxhole. Matthew and Brad would not quit. And that was all that was important. If I had to name the message, I'd call it seven times down, but not out. Yeah. Uh, this message that uh, Brad preached uh, has elements of a song in it that we're going to play. And to do that, we're going to close the CD and then play it through these speakers. Okay?